0: It's now time for Mike Adams 2.0 on ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. Mike will get you into the ring with the latest boxing and MMA info, the logos, and much more. Now, here's Mike Adams 2.0, presented by El Mesquite Market, bringing cultures together. Good morning, sports fans. Mike Adams 2.0, ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. And I'm full of guests today. Last week, Shannon Knapp from Invicta, the movie Bruised, Holly Berry. Today, I'm going to have Abe Torres in the second half of the show, New Mexico Music Hall of Fame. He's the vice president. They're inducting Arlen Asher, Bo Diddley, the Cordova family, Ernestine Romero, Michael Martin Murphy, Hillary Smith, Dave Adams, Lifetime Achievement Award. And my first guest, I said, it's football season. And I've known the big fella for quite some time. Played at San Diego State University, all-mountain west. I don't know if he listens to Kanye West now, but when he drives in from out of town and has to go home, he has to drive west. Mike Kravitz, welcome to the show, buddy.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I'll tell you what, football season's in full effect, and anytime I talk football, I'm always picking your brain. You played with a lot of NFL guys. Yes. And you're watching the NFL now. What's the difference from when you played as an offensive lineman to now in 2021?
1: Uh, I would have to say the physicality of the game has changed a lot. Um, You cannot bang as hard as you used to. Um, A lot of things are scrutinized today. So I understand it's more for the safety and for what – longevity wise of what the players are so I'm, I'm all for it but uh, it's it's very different from the 90s to the 2000s to today it's it's a very different game for sure
0: when you played in the Mountain West I look at San Diego State now they're they they play today they're 9 and 1 as an alum has to feel good that San Diego State's kind of getting the same attention as SC and UCLA
1: oh 100% uh, it's really good to see the their division there's the school itself and you know yeah. one of the, the top Two or three in the in the state of California between Stanford, SC, UCLA, it, it was always a, a battle to see who was the better team or better school. Um, so it's it's really good to see them doing very well and being in top twenty five. It's uh it's really really good.
0: Well, I look at uh, the history, right? Because you mentioned mm-hmm. all the schools. So at Cal Berkeley, of course, Aaron Rodgers. At Stanford, it was Alway. Mm-hmm. At SC, you can name a ton of them. I oh, liked man. Matt Barkley personally, but there was a ton of them. Pat Hayden played for the Rams a long time ago. And then UCLA had Troy Aikman, right? San Diego State had Mark McGuire's brother, Dan McGuire. He was a tall quarterback. Um, and then a teammate of yours now, the offense coordinator for the Rams. But quarterbacks in the state of California, my gosh, I just gave you Hall of Fame names.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's really interesting to see how many people come out of California. I mean, obviously the state's gigantic, but um, they uh, – they produce a lot of talent. So it's really it's good to see that and people, you know, advancing and, and continue on through their careers and making like a name for themselves. It's really, really interesting.
0: Last time I saw you, you were with good friend Brandon Dombrowski, played for the San Diego Chargers for years, and, and now he's out of the league. When football stops, right? Mm-hmm. And you're a very successful businessman right now in Las Vegas, Nevada. But when football stops, man, that's a tough transition.
1: Oh, it's a big transition. Uh, I would like to probably see them, uh, help athletes transition better outside of sports into what the real world is because throughout out my uh, time at San Diego State, there was, uh, I understood there to be the football world or the sports world versus the real world and you're, uh, you're pretty much taken care of. There's a lot of catering that's done or critiquing that's specific for the athlete. So it's really nice to know that that's available. And it did help me be successful, get my degree um, and graduate from there. So it's it's funny to look at it and think, well, there's a lot of guys that leave and don't get their degrees or, or don't continue on and don't finish. And then when you're done, you don't really know where to go or what direction is, is available. So it's it it would be nice to have that Probably a little bit more in line with for the athletes after the fact because there's you you kind of are lost or you don't you don't know where to really go. Mike Kravets is my guest, former offensive
0: lineman for the San Diego State University, Um, unbelievable Aztecs at the time, and they're having a great year. Uh, And a very successful businessman in Las Vegas, Nevada. Name, image, and likeness. You know, we always say, only if we would have had that, right? We're, 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 mm-hmm. When when you played, you hear the old players always say, well, we didn't have a shot clock. And there was no hand checking in basketball. Now, yep. uh, when you think about all the guys that could have had name, image, and likeness, and names come to my head immediately, but what would that have meant
1: for you guys? Oh, I think it would have been uh, pretty tremendous. I mean, I was in school when Reggie Bush was in school, so I mean, to know that, that was a not a rivalry in, upon the school in itself, but in the in the same state to see like the successes they had. I mean, we Linehart was there. There was a lot of guys that we got to see, um, and so I mean, um, it, it's really impactful. I think to to know that that is a possibility now, and to see again the rules that have changed. It's from stipend checks and your your day-to-day living and what the the money is, that's available to you. It, it really impacts your experience right so i'm not saying the experience wasn't positive or good down in san diego but when you're living like kind of paycheck to paycheck in a sense and you're struggling to make it or you you need to find somewhere to like kind of get an extra meal um to know that that is now something you can check on your bank account or an nft was sold or whatever we want to call it At these you know right now it's it's very interesting to uh to see how it has evolved and changed but it's you know a credit to the players or whatever you want to call it to be able to put that in um in motion and and really try to get that and you know and gain those things cuz we look at Reggie Bush we we've I've said the name a couple times but his Heisman trophy was taken away from him because of the exact reason or where we're at today like guys are now getting paid guys are it's acceptable in 15 you know 18 years or however many years it's been now that was a no-no that was against the rules and that that guy was punished and that's completely unfair. Um, so it's it's really funny to really see where the evolution of, you know, sports has, has come from.
0: Mike Kravitz is my guest. Michigan-Ohio State this weekend, right? Some say the biggest rivalry in sports. Mm-hmm. Some people will say Oklahoma, Texas is a big rivalry. Alabama-Auburn, Army-Navy. I can go on and on, right? Um, who is that rival for San Diego State? Like, who is that number one rivalry game for you?
1: Oh, for us, or at least when I was there, it was UCLA um, played at, played at the Rose Bowl twice. Uh, they came into played at uh, at Qualcomm formerly, you know, no longer there. But um, that was uh, that was really cool to experience that to play there twice. Uh, we actually played. Uh, they came to Qualcomm when we played against when there was a Maurice Jones Drew. So it was really cool to see that. Um, there's a guy, um, man, I'm spacing his name. Big, uh, big, tall tight end. He still plays in the NFL. Um, he he was there too, so it was really cool to be able to see the uh, the aspect of that that following. They they we sold out that. There was the big sky show, you know, like sixty five seventy thousand people. It was always cool to have that, and then be able to go to the Rose Bowl and experience the uh, a sold out stadium there. Though that's a rowdy crowd, and uh, it's a really fun and you know atmosphere to play in.
0: You know, my good friend Zach Gentry plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yep, and uh, played at Michigan. And he tells a story of when he played Ohio State, because it's the rivalry game this week, right, that he had earplugs in, Mm -hmm. and he still had trouble hearing the next couple of days because the amount of people and cheering, booing, whatever's going on. Oh, God, yeah. So when you're playing in front of 70,000, let me ask you, your quarterback's trying to call the play. Can you hear? Can you actually hear on the field?
1: Typically not. Um, I, I did play at the big house. Uh, Fortunate enough to go there It was uh, one of the more uh, sold-out crowds, or at least when we were there. I believe it was '04. Uh, we lost to them by a field goal. That was when uh, they actually won the national championship that year. And there was 110,000. I believe like 800 and some change. And I, you know, you talk about 70,000. You go up to 110. So I mean, it was it was quite amazing to know you could get that many people in one area, and they sing let's jump around or they like the crowd gets into it and the the wave then you actually see what the wave looks like or the the screaming and the onset of like you step on the field and it's daunting i mean it's uh, it's so loud you you just you look at hopefully your other guy and you uh hopefully you can read lips right and so you you have hand signals you you have that dialogue that's nonverbal. um you you have to learn the cues or there's a lot of cards that's why on the sidelines you see guys with big flashing like you know billboard or like you know, like uh, signs and, and different types of things, and that's that's to the extent of, like, being prepared and getting yourself ready. So it, it is really amazing to see that. And then um, we actually played up at uh, the 12th Man up in uh, Seattle uh, where uh, the Seahawks play, and there was, there was probably only, like, fifty sixty thousand 60,000 people at the time. We played Washington State, and uh, it was probably one of the loudest stadiums I would ever been in with not the loudest or the most amount of people there. And it was, I mean, It was really, really loud. It gets to be a lot.
0: I'll tell you what. I was playing catch with my son the other day, just two of us, and I could barely hear when he was saying, Omaha! (laughs) Now, you're a successful businessman. And to me, sports molded a lot of things in my life, right? Mm -hmm. You learn how to win. You learn how to lose. You learn how to take instruction. Mm -hmm. You might not always agree with the instruction, Uh, but you learn that uh, you have a voice. You don't know how it's going to be heard at a particular time. As a freshman, it may not be heard as loudly as a senior, right? Because you're understanding. What does
1: sports do for you? Uh, Sports really helped me become diligent and persistent, overcome um, obstacles, set yourself for goals, try to achieve those, surpass them, Um, really just ingrained a lot of trials and tribulations that life experiences give you so to not understand what the real world was or what the business world was outside of high school football then going to college experiencing that way i didn't i was a student athlete so if you majority of student athletes go to school play their sport perfect their craft as best you know get a degree and then you go into the real world so there's not a good or a a better transition than what that sounds like and so it's uh that to wake up every day, do the grind, um, prepare yourself, put in the work, put in the hours, earn your keep, right? You, you want to do those things. So just the every day grind, working out, running, training, going to class when you're tired, having to just overcome a lot of stuff, that's, for me, that's, you know, transpired into a lot of what it does. I'm, I'm in roofing, right? There's not a lot of hard, gritty work you would think about, but if you're on the roof, if you're doing this, if you're doing that, there's there's to- those types of things that when it's hot, when it's rainy, when it's cold, and it's not a, a, a day that you want to go do it, it's like, man, you got to strap it up and go. So that's really what it turns into is uh, you learn the, the ability to, to overcome and really push yourself and, and do do very well.
0: Mike Cravets is my guest, the former offensive lineman, San Diego State University Aztecs, successful businessman, Las Vegas, Nevada. And I gotta I gotta admit, every time I'm in Vegas, I call you up, we end up hanging out, we go eat, and a lot of people don't know this about you, but you put the cool in culinary. So Thanksgiving just passed. And how did you cook your turkey? Because I've been to your house and you put some unbelievable meals together. And a lot of people wouldn't know that for a guy six five you know, played offensive line, but you put the cool in culinary. Oh,
1: thank you. No, I uh, I like to do a uh, smoked turkey on a Traeger, put it on around 11 p.m., 12 o'clock in, at night, uh, let it cook in the, throughout the evening into the morning. You wake up and your bird's done. Put on a bird in the in the oven. You kind of give people options. Um, you know, you just try to get the accoutrements and um, put put everything down for everybody and make sure it's a good time. I mean, I, I'm I'm a big guy, so I uh, I had to learn how to cook a lot, you know, younger than most people to feed myself. So I've I've really enjoyed the cooking aspect of it, and just uh, food brings happiness to a lot of people, right? So it's it, you know Thanksgiving's about family, it's about bringing people together. So um, it, it's very to me, it's very special. Uh, on, I guess in my heart that you try to put on your best and you know give people the the best experience that they can.
0: You know, you, you mentioned the word bird, and my next guest is going to be a Torres, New Mexico Music Hall of Fame, and right away, music, see, because I'm musically, um, I don't want to say I'm musically inclined, but I'm musically appreciative. How does that sound? That's, that's good. And right away, I started thinking, you know, Morris Day did the bird. I got a brand new dance, and it's called the bird. And then there was another song called the bird, bird, bird. The bird is the word. So you took me to a different place, man. And one of the best bands ever, the Yardbirds, if you remember them. Um Man, I feel like, uh, Mike, you took me to a different place. I want to come back. Now, you know, you say that there's mashed potatoes and ga- gravy. You used a different word, but I'm going to say there could be some possibilities of mashed potatoes and gravy. You know, for me, I always liked having olives. You know, when you're a kid, olives were like wow, there's going to be olives. But for me, I think the the most important part of the meal is the pumpkin pie. I don't know why, but do you do something with the pumpkin pie? Is there something about pumpkin pie that you do different?
1: Not that I do different, but I would agree. Pumpkin pie is probably the best pie that's on the market. I mean, everybody's got their preference, but pumpkin pie with a little bit of whipped cream, I mean, there's nothing that's almost better than that.
0: Mike Cravets is my guest, football-wise, NFL. I mean, every week, you don't know what's going to happen. The no. Chiefs are down. Mm-hmm. New England wins five in a row. Yeah, The Cowboys look like they're going to be Super Bowl champions. You think the 49ers are out, and then they have a game like they did against the Rams, and they look like Super Bowl contenders. Who do you see on Super Bowl Sunday? By the way, in Los Angeles, I'm going to stay music and say Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, Kendrick, Eminem, Mary J. Blige. Not that I know the whole lineup, but I know the whole lineup. Who are we going to see in SoFi Stadium?
1: Uh, it's really hard, right? We just named some good teams. Kansas City, they've got their ups and downs. They've been King Kong for, what, three, four years, five years, I believe. And so then you've got Brady and the Bucks, and you've got New England's coming into their own. They were down and out initially, and they've made a run. So it's really hard. I mean uh, – to see what happened with the Rams uh, on Monday night when they sign Odell Beckham, they have Von Miller, and they completely dropped the ball. It's very, uh, it's very weird. And then you throw the COVID situation into it, and you you don't know what you're going to get week to week. I mean, day to day, almost everything is evolving and changing. So it's, it's I, I do like what the NFL put in place this year compared to last, where if you have a person that's exposed and you there's a, they are not um, vaccinated, they forfeit that. Adventure, right? They they lose that game, and so it, I I do like that compared to last year, where if you did play fantasy, I, I did not. Um, it probably made it very challenging to try to get your fantasy team put together, let alone an actual game for them. And oh, we're going to move it to this day, or now we're going to you know delay it to that time, or we're going to do these things to accommodate. So um, it's it's very very interesting to see the dynamic and the un, the way it, everything's unfolded because it, a lot of things have changed, and you know we're we're not we're not here. Two three years ago, what it was, or five years ago, it's it's a lot different today.
0: The Cincinnati Bearcats get in the top four of the playoff mm-hmm. in college. First time a non-power five team. Yep. Do they stay there? Do you think they get there? I think if Michigan beats Ohio State, you got to put Michigan in. Alabama right. beats Georgia. Yep. Uh, if they beat Georgia, I'm just kind of going down the road. I, I you know they might struggle with Auburn. I don't know.
1: Who does Cincinnati
0: play? Well, Cincinnati has a couple of play, uh, teams coming up. Their big win was over Notre Dame. Mm -hmm. But does Cincinnati stay in the top four when it's all said and done?
1: Uh, If they are able to win out and and obviously not lose, then I would say yes. But, you know, just to – like we – Kind of talked in top twenty five like you and I were discussing earlier before the show, San Diego State won, and granted they didn't win by much, or you know to the team who they beat was not prolific or anything, but they won and dropped ranking and I understand like obviously all that stuff changes, and you know like Cincinnati moving into the top five it's uh, it's, it's really good I, I enjoy those types of Uh, things when they happen because it's not your typical, it's not the usual, it's not the Big Ten or the SEC or these, you know, dominant divisions that we know of. So to see a team that has done well and been able to do those things is, uh, I like the mix-up and the shake-up. It it changes a lot, and it allows then for the playoff, right, and expanding the playoff. And when I was playing college, there was talks of playoffs, but there were no playoffs. So um, just to see the evolution of the game and everything is, is really, really cool. Mike Kravitz is
0: my guest. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and and thank you for coming in. I know you came in to visit family. I'm glad me and you connected and were able to eat breakfast this morning. I said, why don't you come on the show? You more than happily obliged, and I wish you continued success. I'll be in Vegas probably in the next three months. Me and you will do what we do, give my best to your family. Uh, But I appreciate you, big fella.
1: You as well. Thank you. Same to you.
0: You're listening to Mike Adams 2.0 on ESPN Radio 101.7, The Team. Let's get back to Mike Adams 2.0 on ESPN Radio 101.7, The Team. Presented by El Mesquite Market, bringing cultures together. Welcome back, Mike Adams 2.0, ESPN Radio 101.7, The Team. And the guest list just keeps getting bigger and bigger. Uh, Thanksgiving has just passed, and I was thankful for so many things. And I run into this guy, and I said, i got to get you on the show. I mean, tonight's one of the biggest nights with the New Mexico Music Hall of Fame inductees. And I ran into the vice president of the New Mexico Music Hall of Fame. And everybody in town knows you. If they don't, I'd be surprised.
2: Abe Torres, (laughs) welcome to the show, buddy. Well, thank you. And I always love your encouraging endorsements, man. And I think, uh, to be honest with you... uh, I don't know anybody in Albuquerque that doesn't know you either. So when we run into each other, it's kind of a, you know, we we just, we can be ourselves and we don't have to be the personality stuff. But thank you, Mike, for the invitation to talk about, yeah, and this uh, this evening is, uh, it's a home run, man, you know. It's more than a home run. Let me tell you why. I look at these inductees, right, Arlen Asher,
0: the Cordova family, Ernestine Romero, Michael Martin Murphy, Hillary Smith, and Dave Adams with the Lifetime Achievement Award. But I want to start with Bo Diddley because here's Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Bo Diddley.
2: I mean, the guy who inspired the Beatles, the Stones, Bo Diddley? Bo Diddley, his national and international accolades are well-known. Everybody knows about Bo. You don't know Bo, you don't know Diddley. That's the oldest (laughs) saying in the book in the music business. What a lot of people don't realize or know is uh, Bo Diddley's affiliation with the state of New Mexico. He had two tenures here. The way the story goes is he came to do a movie. He was uh, you know, he was casted as one of the B characters, and they were shooting out just south of uh, the Belen area in a community called Peralta. And uh, he fell in love with it. I think Chris Christopherson starred in the show, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, anyway, Bo decided he was going to moved to New Mexico. Even though he continued his entire international and national career, he always based, he, he lived in, in Peralta. He was part of the neighborhood watch programs. That's another thing. He became one of the guys. You know, he'd go in and have coffee with the boys in the morning and they'd talk sports or whatever they were talking about. And he got involved with the community and became one of the advocates of the uh, neighborhood watch programs. Later was elevated to an actual uh, uh he was an actual deputy with the Valencia County Sheriff's Department. He spent, the, he has spent the better part of 20 years as a resident of New Mexico.
0: Bo Diddley in the New Mexico Music Hall of Fame. Now, I got a chance, you know, Abe knows everybody. Abe's a phenomenal musician, A number one. Number two, sound and stage, no one better. And Michael Martin Murphy, you brought him in to play like a private little get together. And I started to think. And and you correct me if I'm wrong, Gabe, because you are the guru when it comes to music. But I don't know if it was BMI or ASCAP that said Michael Martin Murphy had the number one song, Wildfire, to ever play on the radio?
2: The the way the story goes, and it's a phenomenal accolade, it really is. Uh, BMI is one of the, for those of you that may not know, is one of the societies that monitors uh, radio airplay for the artists and make sure that they get their, uh, monetary compensation and ask The other BMI is the one that uh, Michael has signed with. And they put a list together of the most played songs ever in the history of BMI wow. and their affiliation with radio. And guess who's at the top of the list? Michael Martin Murphy with his big hit wildfire that he wrote in New Mexico, by the way, he, uh, Michael Martin Murphy lived in uh the Taos area for the better part of 20 years and again he was one of the boys you could catch him in one of the pubs doing a jam session with with the mutts or somebody you know I mean he was out there playing with the local guys in Taos and doing jam sessions in Red River and has returned to New Mexico for the past 40 years to uh do his summer concert series in Red River and he's as much a part of he'd be the first one to tell you man he just loves it. he lives in Dallas but half of his time is spent in New Mexico.
0: Well, Abe, I want you to know this, because you're probably doing all the arranging for this, and I know you're all-star band. I'm going to shout them out. Dave Nunez, Ray Avila, Pete Galvadon, Chris Cordova. But when they get to that song, and you know me, Abe, I, I don't do much, but I can say, They'll be singing Why? Wait, wait, Abe. wait! I'm not in that mode. I'm in radio <laughs> mode right now. If I get to where I have to go help Michael Martin Murphy on that song... I'm a phone call away.
2: This is this is what's <laughs> I love your musical lead-ins, by the way. you. Thank, know, you, thank If I've never heard a sports uh, commentator, uh, uh, a sports officiato, with as much music knowledge as as Mike has, I mean, he'll jump into the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and be totally correct on his quotes. What's happening with the All Star Band is it's a, it's an alumni uh, based uh, group. Uh, former uh, uh, inductees, uh, current alumni in the Hall of Fame, and special guests. Now, um, the thing with uh, the thing with what they're going to play is it's going to feature them. They're the alumni. Oh, wow! Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, man. I love These it. cats. Uh, as a matter of fact, invitations went out, and, and we uh, we've got an all star group for sure. As a matter of fact, the director of, of uh, uh, jazz. Uh, the Director of Jazz Operations at the University of New Mexico, uh, Professor Glenn Coster, is one of the members. I mean, we're pulling the heavyweights. Yeah. These, these are the heaviest of the heavy. And they're going to come in and do their song. Uh, Michael performed Wildfire at that little get-together that you called it. It was the announcement ceremony. He just happened to be between concerts in Red River. Wow. Drove to Albuquerque. We housed him here in Albuquerque at a really cool place, <laughs> by the way. And... Uh, it, it just happened that uh, it just happened that he was available for the show. He pulls his guitar out. He brings his bass player of 40 years with him, and they did an acoustic version of Wildfire. We have it documented. If they go to our website, New Mexico Music Hall of Fame, it's under Michael Martin Murphy's. Uh, uh, we're, we're updating our websites as we speak. Just to, we, we have, just have so much stuff happening, and that's just the initials of of the name, uh, New Mexico Music Hall of Fame, N M M O you hall, N-M-M-H-O-F dot <laughs> com. There you go.
0: Abe Torres is my guest, ESPN Radio 101.7, the team, vice president of the New Mexico Music Hall of Fame. So when you talk about New Mexico music, you have the Cordova family and Ernestine Romero going in to the New Mexico Music Hall of Fame. Tell us a little bit. I, I mean, Darren Cordova, to me, legend. Ernestine Romero, we lost too early. You're bringing them both into the hall.
2: They're they're well deserved. The the court of a family has a, a a a story behind them that I think is repeated quite often in New Mexico. It's the reason it's the court of a family is because it's a three generation process. Their father started in the late 60s, playing rock and roll stuff. Man, he was uh, he was uh, mimicking uh, Buddy Holly, uh, the Fireballs, you know, just the different rock and roll guitar players that were that were playing. He planted the seed as his little boys were growing up. These were his kids, Daryl, Darren, and Daniel, the three Ds, I call them. Uh, they all became musicians, so they became part of a group called the Cordova family. They were the core behind it. And as that went on, then a couple of splinter bands came out of that. Uh, Daniel had his group, and Darren, of course, his success with his band, Calor. Yeah. Uh, then... Darren's kids came out, musicians, and they formed that super good. started out as a high school music project, a, a mariachi project in Taos. Now they're one of the most sought-after mariachis in the state. So the entire family, the Cordova family, are the inductees. Man, that's incredible. And i got to say this.
0: Shout-out to Darren Cordova. I've known him for so long. Mayor of Taos at one time. Absolutely. Uh, a radio aficionado himself. Uh, so congratulations to the Cordova family. Ernestine Romero.
2: Oh. Uh, Lost her much too soon. She's our New Mexico angel. And I met Ernestine when she was a wee child. Um, I was president of the, former president of the New Mexico uh, Hispano Music Association. And, we, and I was also president of the New Mexico Hispano Entertainers Association. And Ernestine was active in both of those organs. She was a little girl. Little girl. Um, she started recording always with the ambitions of becoming a Tejano music star. And all of it was just developing. As a matter of fact, the people presenting her into the Hall of Fame are coming from San Antonio. They're DJs from San wow. Antonio. Uh, Tecano Nation is coming down. We've got people coming down all surrounding states to endorse Ernestine's uh, uh, induction into the Hall of Fame. But, you know, she just, her musical accomplishments, and they were they were only starting, to be honest. She was going to be, she was definitely on route to become another Selena. She really was. And when they see her story at the Hall of Fame induction and we, and they check out her videos and her endorsements and her, her compilation, I'm mean like 13 complete albums. She finally received her Deconogrammy on a, uh, a duet with the legendary Shelly Lottis wow. out of Texas. Wow. Uh, so, you know, not only was she in New Mexico, but the thing about Ernestine was she could go do fanfare in San Antonio in front of tens of thousands of people. Come home the next week, and she was doing a concert in front of sixty people at their church fiestas right. in Roy, New Mexico, or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, she was that that humble, and I can't say enough about her. We lost her tragically, and uh, she's a Hall of Famer. She was a Hall of Famer, and the best was yet to come. That's who Ernestine is.
0: The New Mexico Music Hall of Fame tonight, Lobo Theater, Lounge and Event Center. Lobo Theater, by the way, was established in nineteen thirty-eight. A little fun fact, just a fun fact. I'm with Abe Torres, vice president of the Mexico Music Hall of Fame. Now, Abe Arlen Asher, Hillary Smith, they also get inducted.
2: Well, Arlen, Arlen's story is is a great one. Uh, he came here in the late '60s, early '70s to participate in radio. Uh, no, to participate in television, as uh, his background was in television. But he was always a great musician. I mean, the cat had chops. So he starts out, and then all of a sudden he starts to figure out, I could do my music thing here. Musically, he was talented enough and got offers to tour with the Count Basie Orchestra, the Glenn Miller Orchestra. He had that level of chop. But uh, what distinguishes him and what got him in the Hall of Fame was his dedication to the music education of the younger people here. And he's been coined, and I'm glad to say that I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm the one that coined him the godfather of New Mexico jazz music. And I haven't had one argument. I mean, we got guys like Bobby Shue and Tony Lujan and and Glenn Coster and all these other guys. They'll be the first to tell you, no, Arlen's the godfather.
0: Let me ask you this. Glenn Miller band, Count Basie band, where does Lawrence Welk fall into there? I mean, in your personal... Um, favorites. Where does Lawrence Welk fall in there with the orchestra?
2: I'm going to show my age, okay? I, and, and, and that's okay, because I, I, I wouldn't trade my life for anything. My music life has been incredible. But you know how there's people that claim to be uh, Trekkies? There's, uh, there's there's the exies I'm a Welkie. I'm a Welkie, man. There's nothing I love more than watching the old Lawrence Welk. Uh, I I remember him vaguely as a child, but watching the reruns. Lawrence Welk, I don't know, man. I think a lot of people get a lot more recognition than him, but I think it might have been that we just don't, didn't, the younger generations know not of Lawrence Welk. But, uh, Costa, his sax player, I mean, he launched so many careers. Uh, You look back at his, at the the stuff, I mean, I mean, uh, the names are kind of a blur to me now, but, the Lennon Sisters, all everything you could talk about in the '60s, and even the latter '50s, '60s, and early '70s, they, they, were, they were they were launched off his show. So where does he where does he lay at the top? If you could have one
0: trumpet player, Chuck Mangione or Doc Severson?
2: Well, Chuck just one. Well, Chuck Chuck played flugelhorn on his big hits. Uh, so you know when I when I pick up my flugelhorn and I try to do uh, a Chuck Mangione music. It's a challenge because flugelhorn is a it's, it's a tough instrument. Trumpet, you know, I mean, Doc Emerson, uh it, Herb Albert, Herb Albert. Those guys the were The Tower all, of Power brass section. Those guys, those guys were all the what, you know, A&M Records. Albert, A&M, Herb Albert's ah. record label. Uh Capitol Records, you know all these uh, they're all they're the they're the guys that paved the roads in Hollywood. Uh, During my uh, tenure in Hollywood, I had the privilege and honor of working for a gentleman by the name of Art LeBeau, legendary DJ Art LeBeau.
0: The legend, Art LeBeau. And if you ever heard him at night give you a dedication,
2: you were with Art LeBeau. We were signed to his label, uh, the group I was with, Alma, which was a derivative. It was uh, what... Developed from the Albuquerque based group and many people may remember Zazobra. Yes. We had Zazobra, so we relocated, uh, the, the, the hub of the group, relocated to Hollywood and we got signed to, uh, the oldest but goodies label, um, uh, to Art LeBeau's label, uh, Steve, uh, colleague Steve Pina was the one that set us up on that and we became Alma and got signed to the label and I got to work with Art. I mean, like, we were in his office daily and, uh, he'd set up the tours for us and uh, the recordings. And we had much success on several Billboard charts. But it was all due to the legend of Art Labour sure. Who grew up with, who was part of that whole Herb Albert, uh, Lawrence Welk, uh, Doc Severinsen era. You know, the, the, the Godfathers. And later came the Tower of Powers, the Chicago's, the Blood, Sweat, and Tears, Ooh. the Commodore's Horn yes. Section, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yes. I mean, we could go on and on, man, on, on the the seed that they planted. Art LeBeau, my sister, probably, Joy, if you're listening, shout-out
0: to Joy, happy Thanksgiving. Probably did more dedications on the Art LeBeau show than I know anywhere because we lived in Los Angeles. I was born in Los Angeles. And, Joy, if you're listening, you probably had the most dedications ever called in to an Art LeBeau show.
2: But let's continue.
0: Okay. Hillary Smith gets inducted into the Hall of Fame.
2: That's our little Southern girl. I I love her so much, and, and I I, I, I say it affectionately. When she talks to you, you'd swear you were talking to somebody from West Texas, which Hobbs, her hometown, her home community, who she's very proud of and represents it well, is right next to Texas. So a lot of the that Southern draw thing is, is found in, in, in people from Hobbs. But when she belts, there's, I mean, it, it's Aretha Franklin revisited. You know, um, the story about her is interesting. She started a career as a child. She was three years old, three years old, walked up to the band in the lounge. The family was having dinner. Unannounced, she stood up, walked. The family watched her, walked up directly to the band, sat on the drummer's lap and asked him if he knew Jesus loves me and could she perform it. Well, how are you going to say no to her? He pulls his microphone over. She sings Jesus Loves Me, and that was the beginning of her career. That was her first time on stage. The story of Hillary is incredible. She went on to become a performer in her church uh, and, and other uh, projects and even some of the country groups in Hobbs. Her big move came as a, a teenager to come to New Mexico UNM and pursue her music career. Well, when she got here, she started going to a lot of the jam sessions. And all of a sudden, the words started getting out about this girl with this big voice. Who is this? Who's Hillary? So Robert Bley, the founder of the legendary funk and soul group uh, uh, Fat, Fat City, City. Fat yeah. City. He, uh, he asked her to come in for an audition. Well, you know, after a couple of songs, the guys all turned to Robert and said, this is our new lead vocalist. And Hillary got her first break. And in uh, chatting with Hillary, she tells me, Abe, I, I, I had country background in blues and gospel. Uh, so I felt like Barbara Mandrell singing funk and soul. And, you know, and I said, well, you did a good job. So the, the quote has kind of become synonymous with uh, with her interviews and stuff. She's Barbara Mandrell singing funk and soul with a huge voice.
0: Abe Torres is my guest, ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. You bring up Barbara Mandrell, one of my favorite artists, her and her sisters. And the closest thing right now, honestly, musically, I'm only talking musically here, Abe, and you'll appreciate this, Shakita is the closest thing to the Mandrell sisters, and let me tell you what I mean by that. They play every instrument. The Mandrells would play every instrument, from the guitar to the drums. Shakira does the same thing. Just it popped on me. Congratulations, Hillary Smith, for getting in. Now we go to the Lifetime Achievement Award, and this is big,
2: man. Oh, that's huge. You
0: guys are putting in Dave Adams.
2: It, it's really huge. Um, Dave Adams is was is, was born in New Mexico, born in Albuquerque, and grew up here as a child, and. Uh, his military career was, uh, there was two passions in his life. One was his dedication to his country, serving in the Army as a musician, and the other was uh, his love for music. So Dave, the story behind Dave is much of his uh, of his uh, 20s and 30s were spent in the military where he was director of the Army band, he was uh, director of the Army jazz band, he was a piano player. He's another one of those multi-talented, multi-instrument playing uh, he, he worked on brass so he could play trombone, trumpet, flugelhorn, uh, marching baritones, just every instrument affiliated with, with the army thing, his accolades, uh, and then he became a pilot and, and it just became more and more a military. He retired from the military, moved back. He moved his family back to Albuquerque. He said, no, we gotta, we gotta, you know, live our lives out there. He formed a group of young, outstanding jazz musicians. They were called the, uh, Little Rascals Jazz Project. They were so good. He developed them to the level that they were invited to perform at the Newport Jazz Festival at Wow. The, at you know up in Greeley, Colorado yeah. for the all the telluride
1: uh, yeah, jazz.
2: for sure. And and they were backing up uh, artists like you know even the they were backing up artists like Dizzy Gillespie and oh. they were just I mean they were kids. They were kids. Many of his students have gone on to have national and international success. Um, And that's all coming out in the video uh, that we show. All of this will be available after the show tonight. We're going to start posting it on our website. And people can go to see exactly what I'm talking about, the history of Dave Adams. Uh, He's currently living in, I believe it's West Virginia, if I'm not mistaken, but him and his wife are driving down. They're in town already. Uh, You know, they got here several days ago, but uh, they're in town for Schiffer tonight to do the show And what's going to happen is Mike is actually, he's elderly now. We're helping him up the steps. We'll get him up there and get him behind the podium. And he's going to stand there and just get showered by by his national mentors via video uh, as to what he did for them and what their lives would have been without him and what they are now because he was included in them.
0: Tonight, New Mexico Music Hall of Fame Award shows at Lobo Theater Lounge and Event Center. I believe it is completely sold out.
2: Go to NMMHOF dot org. Is it a sellout already? It's it's a sellout and I and I, I, I wish I could tell you no, actually I don't I don't know. It's one of those double you know, the two sided swords where you know you want a sellout but you still want more people yeah. to be able but the 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 recognition and the publicity that we're getting and the the education that we're able to share about the history of New Mexico music and these artists is is why we do these interviews and why we get out there. And, and, again, I mean, you know, Mike Adams 2.0, ESPN, Albuquerque 101.7 FM, the team. Uh, I can't thank you enough, you know, because uh, Mike is one of those guys, and I mentioned it earlier, he is a sports commentator. He does know his business in sports, mixed martial arts, boxing, and everything else, uh, every other sport that you can imagine. But, boy, does he love music. I never realized until the past couple of three, four years how much you actually enjoy your music.
0: Now, you know what, Abe? And I feel like I can share a story
2: right now. and
0: I wasn't sure I was going to. It was the third grade, and uh, I got a trumpet. And I go to band class, and they put me on the spot. And they said, you know, what do you know? And I said, not much. I didn't say much back then, Abe. I said, not much. They said, well, the rendition is, or the composition is go tell Aunt Rody. I said, go tell Aunt Rody, what, and you know, it's my first horn. Go tell Aunt Rody. Go tell Aunt Rody. Right. So I'm trying to think and I'm going to play. Well, Abe, I got to admit, that was the last time I played the trumpet, but I always had an appreciation for it. And I told my teacher that day, I said, sir, this isn't my passion today, but what you do, I applaud. You probably didn't understand what I was saying. I took my trumpet back home. My mom said, well, you lasted all of two days playing a trumpet. And I said, but, Mom, there's something out there about music. And guys like you, Abe, when I meet you and know what you've done, but you've always had New Mexico and Albuquerque in your heart, man. You've always wore it on your sleeve. If there's a true Albuquerque Duke of music, it's you. And I don't, you're so humble, Abe. And I'll say this to anybody. Abe Torres is humble. But what you've accomplished and done for New Mexico music, for music in general, is incredible, man. And I can't wait till you're inducted, right? Because I'm going to buy 25 tickets and give them out uh, to my buddies because that's who Abe
2: Torres is. Uh, thank you, man. And I I, I, I I, often hear, you know, when are you going to... Because I've been writing biographies on artists and different things. And when are you going to write your life? And I just say, well, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I'm too busy doing other people's... Life. You know, and, and as far as that horn goes, there comes a point early in your career, early... Because I started in the fourth grade just like you. Even though I had been playing a year or two with my father, uh, he was showing me music, songs. So when I got to school, I could actually blow my horn you know so that's the point where you decide is this what i'm going to do and a lot of people will they'll tell me stories well i played all the way to the 12th grade and then i just dropped out of band i still have my horn but i haven't pulled it out in years you know one of those things about learning to shove a horn in your face is not a gimme you know uh you spend a lot of time in those little eight by eight rooms man just shedding and and uh practicing and, and and paying your dues and and now recently in my elder age i've 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 ventured off into other areas of composition and writing and and production and, and, and you know, producing music and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, I still have my horn there, and I can still shove it in my face, so to speak, you know. And I always tell people, man, look at that guy. That guy's got chops. And that's just a musical term for somebody that engulfs a mouthpiece with their face and just blows to death. Glenn Coster, you want to see the horn player? Music Hall of Fame. He's performing with the All-Star Band tonight, the director of jazz studies with the all-star band at UNM, the director of jazz studies, I heard him a couple of days ago at rehearsal, man. And, uh, I know why he's the director of jazz studies. The proof is in the pudding. And that's the level of musicianship that's uh, in the all-star band. Thank you so much for those wonderful and kind words. And, I just continue to try to share the knowledge of music. People ask me, "Why do you volunteer for these organizations so much? Why do you dedicate so much of your time and your life to promoting New Mexico and New Mexico music?" And I, I my only answer is, somebody has to, you know. So I'll take the, I'll take the torch for now, and eventually somebody else will take the torch. But that's where we're at.
0: Now the great horn player Alfred Brugge, New Mexico Music Hall of Fame, Lobo Theater. It's tonight, six thirty. Go to Ticketmaster.com. There may be a ticket. We think it's sold out, but there's possibility there could be one ticket left, two tickets. Hillary Smith and Honey House, Bo Didley Jr., Mariachi Color, David Nunez, Ray Avila, Pete Alvadon, and Chris Cordova, the all-star band. Ape Torres, I wish you nothing but success and the best of luck. And Ape Torres, like I said, man, he is New Mexico. Thanks for popping in today.
2: It was a pleasure. It always is. And, uh, Go the world of sports. You know, when I'm not, uh, when I'm not doing my music, I'm, I've got my face dug into games. And we're in, the, we're in the heart of the football season now. And I've got my ups and downs with uh, with my team. You know, I've enjoyed some ups, but I've had to deal with some downs. And you guys probably know who I'm talking about. Because, oh, boy, my. we got a downer last Abe, week. Abe, <laughs> I was going to tell
0: you, the last time I saw Abe Torres, like, happy for his team, there was a guy named Troy Aikman, Michael Irvin, and Emmett Smith. Other than that, Abe... <laughs> it's
2: been a tough road (laughs) it's been a 50 50 road man it's 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 uh bittersweet (laughs) that was abe
0: doris thank you abe i want to thank cell behind the glass i want to thank joe neal the president for Alyssa ryan preston john michael it's mike adams 2.0 on espn radio 101.7 the team Thanks for joining us for Mike Adams 2.0, presented by El Mesquite Market, bringing cultures together. Join us again next Saturday, 9 to 10, on your New Mexico-owned and operated station, ESPN Radio 101.7 The Team.